Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. One of my favorite places to go when on a Holy Land pilgrimage is not a place you might expect. It's not a church, a cathedral, or a basilica. There's no chapel there. There's not the Blessed Sacrament there. It's not run by the Catholic Church. It's called the Davidson Center. It's like a museum run by the Israeli government on the southeast corner of Jerusalem. But when you go in here, you can go and touch the walls of the temple. The base walls, the the stones that are at the foundation of the temple, these stones that were there in the time of Jesus. It's amazing. And when you when you go into this place, you can actually go to what's known as the southern steps of the temple. And there are some of the very steps that remain from the first century, the steps that Jesus himself would have walked on, the steps that Mary and Joseph and Peter and James and John and St. Paul would have walked on. And this week, we're getting ready to celebrate a great feast day, the Feast of the Presentation. And that that big scene, that fourth joyful mystery of the rosary, we can imagine taking place somewhere at the temple, but we know on that day, Mary and Joseph probably would have come up right there from the southern steps of the temple. They might have met Simeon right on those very steps. It was amazing. I was just back in the Holy Land recently leading a pilgrimage, and I brought my pilgrims to this very sacred spot to ponder this scene. But what I want to do in this episode today is I want to bring you into the scene of the presentation, the scene that took place on the southern steps of the temple. But I want you to see it with Mary's eyes. You see, this was a, a pretty dramatic event. I mean, just imagine if you have a, you're a mom and you have a 40-day-old baby and you and your husband are walking into church, you're walking up the steps to church, and all of a sudden some elderly figure comes up and all of a sudden he takes this child out of your arms. That would be pretty dramatic, wouldn't it? And then all of a sudden he holds up this child and says, now at last your servant could go in peace according to your word. My eyes have seen your salvation, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. It would be pretty uh, pretty remarkable if something like that happened. Well, we know the story. We've heard those words of Simeon, those prophetic words before. But what do they really mean? How would Mary have heard those words? I want us to look at this passage through Mary's eyes. And that's what we're going to take a look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and so good to be back with you here. I've uh, It's been a big run in the Sree family life for the last month. We had Christmas, we had my daughter's wedding, we went off to St. Louis for the Seek Conference with 17,000 young people. Uh, amazing event. I'm still kind of on a, a post-Seek high, uh, just so energized by the witness and faith of so many college students and young adults praising God, falling in love with Jesus, and wanting to go back to their campuses and and share Christ with others. It really was an incredible event. And then uh, about a week later, I was in the Holy Land leading a Holy Land pilgrimage. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be back home for a while here and thrilled to be back with you and the All Things Catholic podcast here. I want to share with you something else that we did on the Holy Land pilgrimage. So I'm going to come back to the presentation in a moment so we can understand it through Mary's eyes. But I want you to get a sense of the kind of vision Mary had how she saw the events in her life through the lenses of Scripture. 
You see, if you go up to another sacred place just outside of Jerusalem, it's called the Church of the Visitation. It's at Ein Kerem, just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. It's beautiful area. You've got the hill country of Judea, beautiful evergreen trees, and uh, it's just it's just a beautiful place to go. And you go up the hill, and you'll see the Magnificat in over forty different languages on these big plaques in the plaza that welcomes all the pilgrims there. And we always love to go and find where's where's the English one. You know, we see Korean, we see. Syriac, uh, uh, we see Arabic, we see Italian, French, and all these different languages. And then we find the one in English and we pray the Magnificat together in our language, but in the very place where Mary spoke these words originally. It's very moving to do so. But one of the things we notice about the Magnificat is if you understand it from a scriptural perspective, you would see that Mary wasn't just making up this prayer. <laughs> no, this wasn't just a spontaneous prayer, you know. So Mary's conceived the the Christ child in her womb by the power of the Holy Spirit as a virgin. She's had an angel appear to her announcing she's the mother of the Messiah. She has a lot going on in her life. God's doing amazing things. And God's also announced that her kinswoman Elizabeth is pregnant in her old age. And Elizabeth's excited about that. She goes in haste to visit Elizabeth. I mean, a lot of miracles happening in Mary's life and in her friend Elizabeth. It's just incredible. But when Mary wants to praise God, you know what she does? She doesn't just do a spontaneous prayer on her own. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that I have this baby. She doesn't do that. It'd be awesome if she did. There'd be a very good thing if she just spontaneously gave a prayer of her own like that. But that's not what Mary does. She does something even greater. She gives a prayer that's shaped by the Word of God, not her own creative words but she's repeating the words of God back to God. You see, what a number of biblical scholars have pointed out is that in the Magnificat, Mary's quoting dozens and dozens of, of biblical passages. She's quoting from the Psalms. She's quoting from prophets. She's alluding to the Exodus story, alluding to many hopes and prophecies of the Old Testament. And so she's stringing together all of Scripture to repeat the hopes and the promises of God back to God. In other words, when she wants to praise and thank God, she uses the best words, which are God's own words. In other words, her prayer is all inspired by the inspired words of God himself. I think that's just so beautiful. Now, again, don't get me wrong. It's a wonderful thing to just spontaneously thank God with our own words. But when we actually recite words from Scripture like we do in the liturgy or we do in prayers like the Our Father and the Hail Mary— these biblical prayers that, that are, are we're repeating back the inspired words of God. Think of Scripture as God's love letters to us. He loves us so much. He reveals himself to us, and he gave us the Scriptures, the Bible, his own words and human words. It's a, a, a letter of love to us. And, and we should take time to, to ponder this love letter, to pray with this love letter, to read this love letter called Scripture, so that we can become like Mary and spontaneously see the world through the lenses of Scripture and repeat back to God His love words to us. We repeat back to Him in love those very words. That's what Mary does in the Magnificat. It's amazing. Now, I'm going to give you a quote from Pope Benedict. He, he highlights how the Magnificat is like a portrait of her soul. If you want to get into Mary's soul, see what her soul is like, look at the Magnificat. And, and he says, the Magnificat is entirely woven from threads of Scripture threads drawn from the Word of God. Here we see how completely at home Mary is with the Word of God. With ease, she moves in and out of it. 
Isn't that beautiful? Do you desire to have your heart more shaped by God's love letter to you, the scriptures? Do you desire to be at home more with the word of God? Do you want to be more like Mary and ponder that letter of love, those scriptures? Let's bring scripture more into our life. We could see the world like Mary does better. We could respond to God's will better. We could deal with trials and suffering better if our mind and our heart were shaped by the word of God. Listen to what Pope Bennett goes on to say. She speaks and thinks with the word of God. The word of God becomes her word and her word issues from the word of God. Here we see how her thoughts are attuned to the thoughts of God, how her will is one with the will of God. Beautiful. Do you want your thoughts to be more and more attuned to the thoughts of God? I know I do. Do you want your desires to be shaped more and more by the desires of God? If we want this, we want to bring scripture more into our lives. I know many of you may be in small groups. Maybe you do a Bible study. You've been in a Bible study before. That's awesome. I, I want to encourage Bible study. It's a great thing to do. But I, I want to talk about something deeper. Mary didn't just do Bible study. You get the sense she prayed with the word of God. She meditated on the scriptures so that God's word became her own word. Do you incorporate scripture in your daily life? Do you take time to read the Bible? Do you take time to pray with the scriptures? Maybe reflecting on the gospel readings, maybe reflecting on the letters of St. Paul, meditating on them, applying them to your life. Do you pray with the word of God? Now, I know a lot of people are doing the Bible in a year, which is awesome. My good friend, Father Mike, has just done a great thing to make the Bible accessible to us. That's a great way when you're driving around, you're running errands, and just to have, you know, you're exercising, whatever it is, and you're hearing the scriptures and you get a little explanation. That is awesome. I want to encourage you all. If you haven't done it, you should try it. It's an amazing thing. But I also want to say that we shouldn't stop there. We shouldn't think, oh, I... I listen to the scriptures, so therefore I've got it. Or I listen to a podcast, so therefore I've got it. And God wants us to actually spend quiet time with him in his word. This is what Mary would have done. She pondered the word of God. We know that language. She kept and pondered all these things in her heart. Do you take time out, quiet time to pray, to listen, to talk to God about his word? That's what Mary did. Now, I'm going to tell you something crazy. Can I tell you something crazy here? Most biblical scholars say that Mary didn't come up with the Magnificat. I know, isn't that sad? I mean, many Christian, even, even a number of Catholic biblical scholars don't think Mary came up with the Magnificat. They said Luke just made it up. Like Luke, you know, Luke put it in, you know, on Mary's lips as a character in his narrative. But Mary never said this. The historical Mary could never have done this. No ordinary Jew could have ever composed a beautiful prayer like this on the fly. They just couldn't have done that. That's what they say. You know, she was, she's a simple woman, not educated. And how could she have strung together so many scripture allusions, scripture prophecies? And uh, how could she have possibly done this? <laughs> well, we know that Mary's no ordinary woman. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. She is full of grace. Of course, she could have done this. But I'm going to say just even on a human level, ordinary people like you and I, if we were shaped more by the word of God, we'd be able to do this. I'm going to tell you about a fun exercise I just did. Just this last week, I had a bunch of focus leaders and we were doing a, a retreat on biblical salvation history. And I had them do a little exercise. I said, take out a sheet of paper. 
and I want you to, in 60 seconds, write down as many lyrics of Taylor Swift songs as you can. So many Taylor Swift songs you can, write them down, go! <laughs> and they all just start racing and writing down all the Taylor Swift songs that they know. And then I, I said, stop, okay. Now uh, take out another sheet of paper and write down as many lines from the Psalms as you know, from the book of Psalms, go! <laughs> and you know they're all laughing about this because sadly, they you know, many of them, Actually, many of them did know, there were a number of them that knew more Psalms than Taylor Swift songs. That was pretty impressive. But a lot of them knew more Taylor Swift songs. And I think that's where many young people would be today, that they grow up with a culture in which they're just listening to what's in the culture, but they know those lyrics. They, they wrote down the lyrics of multiple Taylor Swift songs. There's one person wrote down eight different Taylor Swift songs. You know, they had like the chorus for each for eight different songs. It was incredible. It's not like these people had to go and study and do a degree in Taylor Swift lyrics. <laughs> you know, I got a master's in Taylor Swift. You know, that's not what they did. No, they, they just have listened to these songs over and over again. It's on their playlist. It's uh, on the radio. It's when they're just, you go out to the mall and you hear the song, you know, uh, it's just there. It's in the culture. Well, think about the Blessed Virgin Mary. What was her pop culture? Did she have Taylor Swift? No. <laughs> Did she have Apple playlists? You know, no, her playlist was the book of Psalms. It was the prophets. That's what she was filling her mind with. That was her pop culture. So here's my challenge to you. What's your pop culture? What is your playlist? Do you spend more time with Taylor Swift or with the word of God? And I'm not picking on Taylor Swift here. It could be Adele. It could be like my old band, U2, or whatever, it, whatever music you listen to. Do you spend more time with your favorite pop artist? Or do you spend more time with your beloved Jesus in scripture? Nothing wrong with listening to a good song and having music and having a playlist. Nothing wrong with these things. But we do want to ask ourselves, what proportion do I give to God? Or what proportion do I give to just the secular culture around me? Because if I fill my mind more and more with the words of God, then I could become more like Mary. I could feel more at home in God's word and God's word will spontaneously you know, come to mind when I face a trial or I face a difficulty because that's what's going on with Mary. What I want us to see is Mary was someone that could give a great fiat. She, she could respond to God's will. Why? Because she was so shaped by the word of God. So when the angel comes and tells her things like, your child's going to be great. He's going to sit on the throne of his father, Jacob. He's going to rule over the house of Jacob forever. He's going to sit on the throne of David and of this kingdom, there will be no end. Mary knows that those aren't just nice words about a king coming. She knows that those are quotes from 2 Samuel chapter 7, the, one of the greatest promises given in the Old Testament about a future son of David who would come and establish the kingdom that would never end. And Mary realizes her child in her womb isn't just a great child, a great ruler, but the long-awaited prophesied one, the Messiah. She would be attuned to what the angel was trying to tell her because she knew the word of God. Similarly, Mary faced great trials in life when she was at the cross. She is experiencing from a human perspective the complete negation of everything the angel Gabriel told her, this is supposed to be the great king and he's supposed to establish a great worldwide kingdom. Are you kidding me? What's happening here? He just died. He got defeated by the, the enemy, the Romans. From a human perspective, these would be fair questions. What happened, God? I thought this is supposed to be the king. 
I thought, I thought this is supposed to be the moment when we're liberated from the Romans and, and, and Jesus just got, just got murdered by the Romans. How, how could this be? Is God faithful? Where are you, God? Those would be fair questions from a, hum, from a merely human perspective to ask. But we know we're not supposed to look at things from a merely human perspective. We should always see them from a spiritual, a divine perspective. And because Mary was shaped by the word of God, as hard and as dark as that moment was on Good Friday, when there was nothing she could cling to, no crutch to support her, as she's watching her own flesh and blood die before her, the only thing she could cling to was the word of God. The prophecies about her son, the word of her son himself, the word of her son that said that he would be crucified, he would die and be raised on the third day. That was the only thing she could cling to. Do you ever have moments in life where you're just going through such darkness and you don't know where your life is going? You don't know why this is happening. You're going through a great trial and you're wondering, where is God? Will this ever get better? Is there any purpose to this suffering? Is there a plan in this? In those moments, if we fill our minds more and more with the word of God, that's what will help us through like Mary. In those moments, having some little video clip of Seinfeld or The Office isn't going to really help me. Having Taylor Swift in my head isn't really going to help me. But the word of God helps us through trials, through darkness. This is what happens in the great scene that we're celebrating this week, the presentation. In the presentation, Simeon comes and holds this child and says, it says those, those words, those beautiful words, now at last your servant can go in peace. My, my eyes have seen your salvation. He's speaking to God. My eyes have seen your salvation, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. It's amazing what's happening there. Mary would hear in those words, not just, oh, hey, you know, Simeon's excited about holding this child. And <laughs> no, no, she would understand what's being said, that this child is God's salvation. He, she would know that this is quoting the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 52, verse 10. Isaiah 52 announces good news that after Israel suffered for 600 years from one foreign oppressor after another after another, God's coming to return to Jerusalem. He's going to rescue his people. He's going to come as king and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Simeon's alluding to that when he says, I've seen your salvation. That's the salvation that's going to go out to all the nations. Simeon sees it, and the first person to have seen that salvation was Mary. Mary's in tune with scriptures. She's able to interpret what, what Simeon is saying. When, when Simeon says that this child will be light for the revelation to the Gentiles, she knows that this is quoting Isaiah 50, 42, verse 9, about how the servant of the Lord would go and bring light to all the pagan nations. And, and then when Simeon says, and my eyes have seen your glory, glory for Israel, she knows that that's an illusion to the prophecies about the glory of the Lord, God's holy presence returning to the temple. And she sees that this child that she has brought to the temple is the fulfillment of all of those hopes for God's holy presence, for his glory to return to Jerusalem, but is returning not in the glory cloud, but in the presence of this little child. So Mary sees so much. If you want to be able to read the signs of the times, to, to discern God's will in your life, you want to be like Mary and fill your mind more with scripture.
If you want to run in haste after the things of God like Mary did, then, then you want to fill your mind and your heart more with scripture. If you want to give a big yes, a big fiat with your life to God, to be generous with God and to follow his will, then you want to shape your mind and your heart with the words of scripture. And if you want to have the strength you need to trust God more, the strength you need to deal with the challenges that come up, to persevere through the trials in life, to surrender more like Mary did on Good Friday, then you need the word of God. I'm so inspired by Our Lady as I've been reflecting on her Magnificat and these words at the presentation. It inspires me, and I'm a Bible scholar, so I teach scripture all the time, but I know I can waste time on watching soccer highlights and (laughs) I can waste time just reading the news. And I do use scripture, but I'm motivated to bring scripture more, more into my life, not just teaching it, not just studying it, not just reading it, but making sure it's a key part of my rhythm of prayer. And I pray that you'll be inspired to know and love the Bible better. I pray you'll be inspired to bring the word of God, God's love letter to you into your own heart every day in your prayer life. May the word of God, the love letter of God, shape your heart like it shaped Mary's. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, If you want to reach out to me, you can always find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or on my website, edwards3.com. That's edwards3.com. God bless.